0: Did this film turn out to uh to tickle your joy um
1: <laughs> what noun are you gonna throw after that <laughs> the, did, like, yeah this did tickle my <laughs> joy bone. <laughs>
0: everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 364 with a review of Inside Out. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, as we said, we are talking about Inside Out. You know, Stephen, I'm very excited to be uh, talking with you this week about the story of an individual who uh, up and left the place they grew up their whole life and suddenly found themselves in San Francisco and then had to, you know, deal with a complex array of emotions trying to figure out how they're going to survive in this new town. But enough about my life. But enough about about
1: San Andreas. (laughs) Oh, wait. (laughs) Uh, But yes. uh, This is the movie of Christopher (laughs) Schnaese. Pretty much. If I was a
0: nine-year-old girl or however old she's supposed to be. Um, so
1: up up until now, has it been all just yellow yellow orbs for you?
0: <laughs> mostly mostly yellow orbs, and then all of a sudden, oh shit! It was just nothing but uh, fear and sadness and uh, broccoli pizza.
1: <laughs> I-, I thought you. it was weird when you started crying in class the other day. I mean, me and the other kids <laughs> teased you a little bit, but you know, we didn't come talk to you.
0: Well, it started off with this good memory of like all the hockey I used to play down at Oceanside, and then uh, then I started to realize that
1: I'd never get to play hockey again because. We don't have hockey in San Francisco, apparently. And it was weird. I was making the monkey noises to you, and you didn't do anything. <laughs> you you used to love that, Chris. Well, Remember Dad. *Planet of the Apes*? Does that mean nothing to you now?
0: I have to talk to Caesar.
1: <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, I did. I did think it was kind of funny. Um, you know, that wasn't exactly in the trailers. But uh, considering if people haven't figured out from the conversation in the episodes that <laughs> aren't even in the feed yet. Um, I have recently uh, moved away from my homeland to the Bay Area, and uh, I thought it was kind of funny, too, that that was, like, the main um, thing that was happening to the main character of the story. Uh, it's kind of an interesting parallel to my own life. I thought that was kind of, kind of funny.
1: Yeah. You're also living in a shitty attic. Yeah. Um. <laughs> your moving truck got delayed you're going (laughs) through puberty it's been a really just uncanny
0: yeah but though it is funny because um the you know like there there's in in the film she's you know since the moving truck isn't there yet she is just sleeping on a sleeping bag in her shitty attic and uh you know we went and saw this movie and it got out super late um or was it this movie or was it yeah yeah this this is the movie that we pretty late recently i think saw um but uh, i came home and i had purchased a air mattress from uh, the local costco and i was gonna blow that up and sleep on it and you know for some reason i thought that it was possible that the air mattress that i got from costco would be one of the ones that like quietly fills itself um <laughs> but no it was loud as hell and I couldn't really fill it up without disturbing my neighbors, so I slept on a four seconds worth of filled air mattress the first night. <laughs> so basically, I was exactly like the girl from up, or not from up, but from uh, Inside Out.
1: That's beautiful. Did you cry candy tears?
0: <laughs> I I totally cried candy tears. Um, but uh, it was more like it wasn't wasn't quite candy. It was more like saltwater taffy because. Tierra. Very San Francisco. Yes. <laughs> but anyways, how are you doing tonight, Stephen?
1: Uh, I'm doing good. No, no major moves in my life. Just the one point eight miles away. <laughs> <laughs> no, no candy tears for me. No, no, no big scary changes. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: giant clowns chasing you.
1: Well, you know, no more than usual. Like San Francisco, <laughs> step in the wrong neighborhood. Yeah, of course. Who knows what's gonna happen.
0: But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, were were you excited to see this film?
1: It it depends. Uh, when I saw the trailer for the film, I, I kind of felt like, you know, Pixar is known for doing this, like, have a crazy idea of a secret world, like in plain sight, like hiding in plain sight, a society of people that we don't know anything about, um, and that's been like their bread and butter. And then lately, their bread and butter has been like human emotions, like infertility <laughs> and the early the death of a loved one. And like, you know, very deep kind of human tear jerky things. Yeah. And like when I saw the trailer for this movie, the cynic in me was like, oh, Jesus, they're really trying to crank both of those as far as they can right now. Like they've distilled this into being all about. Emotions and the cute human like things are emotions now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, something about the way the trailer was executed, like I was not super into it. It wasn't until like maybe a week and a half ago, and Buzz started coming out about this movie being like, no, this is actually like a legitimate Pixar movie that my inner kid kind of woke up again. And I was like, oh, I'm going to see another Pixar movie. Yes, this is going to be amazing
0: nice yeah like for for me uh when the when the first teaser came out and it was really just like look here are emotions and they're people they're personified now um i was not really against it but I, I like part of me felt like where the wild things are was the perfect version of this uh type of story um like just on paper like cuz mm-hmm. for me where where the wild things are was a story of a boy dealing with like a series of different emotions and each of those emotions was personified as one of the monsters in this world that he escapes to and it's like him dealing with each emotion individually based on the personalities that come about from that um and you know it, it's a little bit more extracted than what that original teaser was was tr- trying to say in where, where the wild things are but i was kind of like you know that movie did it perfectly that was in my top five that year that that movie came out and i was like you know Pixar's track record as of late hasn't necessarily been too great, um, so I was kind of not really expecting much. But then once the second trailer came out, and I realized that the the story itself was more in depth and it wasn't it wasn't so much surface level. It was uh, going to be deeper down, you know, down into the uh, the different levels of emotions within emotions or whatever, or my dreams within a dream, falling into limbo and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was, I was starting to get optimistic and willing to give the film a chance um which momentarily we will find out if that chance paid off for me
1: yeah i i can moderately agree with that i feel like the movie definitely in their initial trailer maybe it was even a teaser that i saw at first it felt like the only thing they gave away was these are emotions and then like one or two little jokes about like ha get it emotions isn't this going to be funny (laughs) But they, they really didn't hint at, like, the intricacy of the world that they were going to build.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is why I had my snap judgment of, like, oh, no, where the wild things did it, did it better. Yep. Um, but, yeah, without further ado, you want to get into this episode? Sure. Cool. We're going to take a look at the trailer uh, for this film uh, and then come back and give you a full review.
1: So, Riley, how was the first day of school? Fine, I guess. <laughs>
0: Did you guys pick up on that? She
1: sure mm-hmm. did. Something's wrong. Signal the husband.
0: <clears throat> uh oh. She's looking at us. What did she say? Oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What is it, woman? What?
1: I'm joy. This is sadness. That's anger. What? This is disgust. Uh, and that's fear. Ah! We're Riley's emotions. Woo-hoo! Yay!
0: These are Riley's memories.
1: They're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. I wanted to maybe hold one. What happened? Sadness. She did something to the memory. Is everything okay? (laughs) I don't know. Take it back, Joy. Hey, Joy, no, wait. The core memories! Ah! No, 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 no! Ah! Can I say that curse word now? a major problem. Oh, I wish Joy was here. We can fix this. We just have to get back to headquarters. That's long-term memory. You could get lost in there. Think positive. Okay. I'm positive you will get lost in there. I out this what was that? Was it a bear? There are no bears in San Francisco. I saw a really hairy guy. He looked like a bear.
0: This place is huge! Imagination land? No what? Dream Productions? Rainbow Unicorn, it's right there! I loved you in Fairy Dream Adventure Part 7. Okay, bye. I love you.
1: You can't focus on what's
0: going wrong. There's always a way to turn things around.
1: It's Broccoli! Congratulations, San Francisco! Give ruined pizza!
0: Girl. Ah. Freeze.
1: Ah. Hang on ah. Finally, here we
0: alright so that was the trailer for Inside Out as we said um, uh, it is a world in which uh, your emotions are actual little people inside your brain that are sort of governing your reactions to the world around you. And uh, a little girl um, has just been thrust into a new town and is trying to cope with moving with her family to a new place. Meanwhile, uh, the emotions of joy and sadness uh, get a little uh, little, little kerfluffle inside the brain and get whisked away to long-term memory. And now she has to go about without um, them as they're trying to make their way back to headquarters. Um, I made that way too more convoluted than it needed to be. But, Stephen, did this film turn out to uh, to tickle your joy? Um,
1: <laughs> what now and are you going to throw after that? <laughs> the, did, like, yeah, it, this did tickle my joy bone.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah so, so, so basically, did, did the film work um, for you? And, uh, yeah. So what'd you think of it?
1: Yeah. So this was kind of one of those things where, you know, I started not caring about it and then overwhelmingly positive reviews started pouring in and I was kind of afraid of veering to the other extreme of like putting too much hope in this movie. I mean, people were saying like it was a masterpiece. It's the best Pixar movie at one of the top two or top three easily. Yeah. And, like, that is high praise because when I saw Toy Story 1, I was a kid. And, like, there's no way Pixar could make a movie right now that is going to compete with those, like, quote, classic Pixars in my mind. Yeah. Um. So I, I was a little afraid of disappointment. Then Lava started. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I was a lot of afraid of disappointment. Um, well... We'll, we'll get into that maybe uh yeah l- lava is a weird one definitely a weird like palate cleanser before the movie yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah um
0: it, it is the ginger of pixar <laughs> yes properties <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah i mean this movie i really really like this movie um i can't decide if i would say loved this movie i i think The premise of this film and what they're trying to do with the story, I think is totally brilliant. Like I mentioned before, it feels like they're kind of distilling what makes Pixar great and like very literally making a story about it. Yeah. Like pretty much all Pixar movies, the thrill of it is it shows a childhood thing. And then to adults who watch it, there's some nostalgia about like... You feel wistful when you watch these happy movies because you know that you've kind of lost some of that, and it's like a there, there's like a real happy sad that comes with like Toy Story or, even, you know, even Finding Nemo, like a- anything like this. You kind of remember like, ah, that that's what childhood was like, and I'm not there anymore, and that's kind of sad, but it's good to feel that sad. Yeah, and th- this movie. They just completely knock that out of the park. I mean, this movie is very literally about a girl, Riley, who is going through the phase of her life where she is no longer the target demographic of Pixar movies. (laughs) (laughs) At at least not the target demo of the goofier side of Pixar movies. Yeah, Um, the
0: the surface level of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, like there's a character in this movie, uh, Bing Bong, who pretty much is like... The classic Pixar character, like he's a goofy elephant creature. He has he, like he has like fun voice narration, and he's yeah, very magical.
0: He's, his body is literally made of cotton candy.
1: Yes, his body is made of cotton candy, and he cries candy gumdrop tears his sled is powered by (laughs) rainbow fart i don't remember i don't remember exactly what it is
0: (laughs) it was a song it was a song
1: yeah powered by a song he he is if not pixar movie he is at least like a dreamworks movie yeah Um, and this movie is all about getting to the phase of life where you kind of have to let go of those things and the the sadness inherent in that and then the kind of more fulfilling life that comes afterwards and like that is that's audacious to try to make a kid's movie be about this (laughs) um and I think they really really pull it off and I think what made me like it so much is in a movie like Up or WALL-E which are like pretty universally praised as amazing Pixar movies I feel like they had an emotional part like a key kind of adult message in the first 20 minutes and then, after that, they became the goofy Pixar movie for the kids to watch, yeah, for sure and, yeah, and, and like we remember those fondly because those first twenty minutes or so were so amazing that the rest of it we could sit back and we're like, yeah, well, we know we know what the movie was going for, like the first twenty minutes of up is what up is, and the rest is all just kind of too uh feel a little uplifted again.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's talking dogs that fly planes.
1: Yeah, it, and, <laughs> and, like, who cares about the talking dogs? I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what happened in Up after that first, like, opening scene, I think. Yeah. Um, And this movie, what they did really well by a virtue of the uh, narrative device is those moments are intercut, like, every five minutes of the movie. Uh, you have the kind of wacky adventure going on in this hidden world, And then you have human girl, mom, dad in a scary new place, feeling real emotions, trying to deal with them. And something about having that, like so frequently, getting it cut to the real world, made this movie way more emotionally fulfilling to me, I think, than a lot of those other ones. Like, this is the first Pixar movie that I feel like it is meant to entertain kids, but. I'm actually not convinced kids are the best people to see the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think a kid will like the kind of Wreck-It-Ralph type of world in there where things are, you know, there's the bright hills and the towns and all the crazy people that they meet. But the narrative doesn't even necessarily hold together unless you care about the real world humans and their emotions and what they mean. And... I don't know. I th- I think that made it be way more fulfilling to me than a lot of these other Pixar movies. I thought it, w- it was a lot of fun, too. I think I wasn't expecting that. Like, the jokes in this movie delivered by, like, Amy Poehler, Phyllis from The Office, like, everyone is just super hilarious in this movie. Yeah. And there are a ton of, like, really clever throwaway gags about emotions, about the subconscious, about how we deal with things. It... It felt like the writers took this premise and then they were like, okay, everyone in this room, give me 50 jokes by the end of the day <laughs> that we can do about <laughs> emotions. And we are going to cram like the top 40 of them into this movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. Everything about it, I really liked it. I thought the pacing was good. It never dragged for too long. The acting was really solid. The emotional beats were weepy in like not a terribly heart. Uh, Heartstring pulling way, I think in more of a like slow burning, maybe true to life way. It didn't. They didn't need to make someone die. (laughs) Like it could be emotional just by virtue of thinking back to childhood. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I like this movie a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I thought I thought this was a fantastic film, and it's weird because, like, you know, you know the the story element, the you know the the girl like fish out of water story of her being forced to move to this new town and like not necessarily being able to cope with that move. Like it's sort of inconsequential, but at the same time it's like the key to everything that's happening. But like the, the real story is not how she's reacting to the world, but like what causes that reaction. Like like this, this film why I love this film is that it's, it's almost, it's, it's, it's almost pure world building. Like where you're getting just enough story to have a reason why they're building the world. But it's really a film that concentrates on, let, let's, let's sprinkle some gags in here so you can have fun along the way. But really, we just have this concept of of the way our emotions uh, create literally create a world for which we build our entire personalities upon. And I think what I love the most about it is just seeing that interplay and how they think about that. And like, you know, in, you know, in, in, even just looking at the trailer, there's, um, you know, there's this, there's a scene where Phyllis is just like, you know, like, Oh, I just want to touch it. And like, by simply touching this joyous memory, uh, you know, it turns to sadness and like, it works as a visual gag. Like, you know, the blue person touches the gold thing and then it turns blue and that's just like a consequence of, of her touching it. But like, at the same time, if you think about like, that in a way that is sort of how our world works. Like right. If, that's how sadness works.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But
0: like like I mean I've I've just to like semi ambiguously talk about things in my past, like I've I've had the I'll call it pleasure of talking to ex girlfriends like way years after we've we've dated and you know you think back and like you've formed your life moving forward with a certain impression on what that relationship was like back in the day. But then when you talk to somebody like years later and you get their interpretation of it, having not actually communicated that to you, then it like suddenly takes that memory that you have and completely flips it on its head and changes it. It overwrites it completely. And if Mm -hmm. you've based things moving forward based on your memory of that moment and that moment changes, like your, your floating city of, what that relationship was crumbles and now you have to base that on you have to basically reform those memories and those things that you're you're jumping off points from there on and like those ideas in the film were like so like just looking at the trailer you could go like oh yeah it's it's just a gag and it's kind of funny but like you can tell that a lot of thought was put into how this works and, and why um why somebody might react a certain way. And like just simply the idea of core memories, like, okay, look, so we have all these memories and we store them as happy memories, disgusting memories, memories, angry memories, whatever. But that certain memories um, of events that take place in your life become a core memory, which become a foundation of the, of what makes up your personality and who you are now, like, and the Mm -hmm. fact that by simply changing any of those memories, you can fundamentally change your personality and change the way you respond to things that you would normally respond to in other ways. Like it's, I don't know, it's such a, it's such a brilliant, like realization of the metaphor of what our emotions do in ourselves. And like, I don't know, it's it's just something about that. it it, it was, it was, it was in a way sort of like the way I felt when I saw Inception. Like Inception Mm -hmm. is this movie that's almost pure exposition, but like the world that Christopher Nolan built is so realized that like, I just love that film. And this is like the, this is like the emotional cartoon version of Inception science fiction world. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, (laughs) does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, it it totally does. And I think you're right on about what makes it so incredible is they didn't just take this premise like they could have pulled a million gags out of this like the the post-credits scene which is hilarious by the way everyone should stay and watch it yeah Uh, if it's even post-credits it's like 30 10 seconds into the credits yeah
0: it's like it's like mid credits (laughs)
1: like don't run away while the film is ending and you're gonna catch it (laughs) yeah Um, but anyway that scene was filled with the sort of throwaway gags that could have been this whole movie, I think. Like, the idea of emotion X controls this person and emotion Y controls this person. Let's watch them interact and let's kind of have fun with it. And they could have done all sorts of things. They could have done an adventure where, like, the emotions in one person are trying to drive them to do one thing and then another person's emotions have to compete with it. Like, they, they could have made all sorts of these wacky situational type comedies out of this and instead it really felt like they they wanted to have one thing to say in the movie about how we work how we develop and like how we grow up and what that does to you on the inside and the way that it is like so truthfully realized like when you bring up relationships I think you talk about kind of uh, the sadness touching a thing, and it becomes blue all of a sudden, and the like image that would stick out to me in a relationship, which hopefully isn't spoilery, but <laughs> I don't know. do we think thematic things like what happens to the emotions, are going to be spoilers or not i i, I think
0: I, I think we kind of sort of have to talk about it if we're gonna okay. Yeah.
1: Okay, so semi spoiler warning if you haven't figured out one of the conclusions of the movie yet. Um <laughs> one of the big things that she kind of learns is as you grow older, you get more multifaceted emotions. Like they don't have to be just one thing anymore. Yeah. And the big imagery that sticks out in the end is a golden blue memory and the picture of someone laughing and crying at the same time. And When you mention relationships and how, like, after the fact, you look back on them and they're changed and something goes crumbling down, I would say that that part is true. But what really stuck out to me is how it feels when you get past that and you're, like, at peace with the memory and you look back and those people in your life and you have these little blue and gold memories where it's, like, a happy thing that's tinged with sadness, but it, like, still... It fuels you in a positive way, not in a negative way, yeah, and I that whole idea applied to relationships or moving away and losing friends or anything is just I think it's a brilliant idea for a kid's movie or for any movie, and they do it in just such a nice like little visual touch, like like they've established this world so well with what the orbs are and what the islands are and what the colors mean that just like seeing this thing turning from gold to blue. Communicates so much more than like ten stanzas about lava. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's really ingenious. I think it
0: is. It's like as you said earlier, it's it's hard to imagine that a child can really comprehend the depth of what's happening in this. Um, I, I feel like the kids will enjoy it because of all the gags and stuff like that. But I like i feel like even like having a debrief with a child after the film's over and trying to explain the themes um you might get a lot of like <laughs> glazed over eyes <laughs> and like
1: <laughs> and like the movie does kind of i i think the movie tries to provide a simplified view of it for the kids too like there there's a moment when some characters in the film are understanding the premise of the movie, like they're learning the message and the way that they learn it is more of like sad things happen and then good things happen. And like that makes it good. And I think what most of the adult audience will feel (laughs) that it's teaching you isn't that kind of serialized, like sad plus good equals good, but more like sadness is actually a, important fueling force like like I I think there's a deeper meaning and there's like a more shallow thing that a kid could kind of be like okay I get it like if I cry then someone's gonna hug me and it feels nice to get hugged (laughs) (laughs) well which is good that's still that's still better than nothing I think yeah
0: like you're like you're allowed to cry you don't have to be tough all the time
1: (laughs) yeah I I mean up is probably the same way like I feel like the first 10 minutes of up I am probably not old enough yet to feel all the things that i should feel about about that scene like i haven't experienced enough life and enough loss yet to feel what a person who is like 65 is going to feel if they watch that movie yeah and you know so all of these movies kind of work on different levels i think
0: yeah for sure um let's see i'm trying to think of some of the things um even uh, going back to just the concepts and like the metaphor that they're using, uh, I even really loved um, the the idea of like garbage collection in your brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like how like you, you have in long-term memory, you have all these things that just get plopped in there. So you make this memory where, you know, you learned Spanish in high school and then you don't use that memory at all. And the memory slowly starts to turn gray. And then these like little bean counter dudes come walking by and just like, suck them down and vacuum them out mm-hmm. and they're like oh you're not using that memory we'll just we'll, we'll just clear that out to make room for more memories <laughs> um like even that little visual gag w- was so brilliant because like that like that that's like the best visualization of if you don't use it you lose it ever
1: yeah <laughs> yeah and what what's amazing is that whole gag takes up like 30 seconds of the movie yeah. and like the movie is just tiled with things like that. Uh, yeah. I loved, I loved that image. I loved the idea of the different hierarchies of memories, like the core memories and then things being moved to this big kind of random access library and yeah. then being moved into this pit where they start to fade. But then there being a, a function recall, which can bring one of those long-term things back into focus. If like an event triggers it. Yeah. Let alone certain things like the train of thought, I feel like function more as a pun than as a metaphor for anything. True, but true, true. E- even that kind of stuff, like just so many intricate ideas are surrounding this world.
0: Yeah, or, or or like the the gag of like when when you get like a song stuck in your
1: head. Oh, <laughs> like, that was amazing. That was the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> like, Victoria's theory, by the way, of how Lava got to play before this movie is because after making Inside Out, everyone got songs stuck in their head, and then when Lava, when that happened with the Lava song, everyone was like, "Okay, okay, I gotta play this now. I gotta play it again."
0: (laughs) Oh, that's terrible!
1: So they were all watching with the reality filter goggles. That
0: was a brilliant joke too. Like the idea of like where your dreams come from, and uh, I just. This movie has so many brilliant visual gags in it that, like, they're, they're funny because they're clever, but they're also sort of like, huh. Like, it just, it, it just makes you want to think about, like, it, it reminds me of um, thinking of uh, predestination type scenarios based on, like, watching the Adjustment Bureau. Mm-hmm. And looking at, like, the, the way, you know, you could still have free will, but your world is actually being manipulated around you. Um, in an unseen way that causes events to take place that you're like sort of being led to, to choose certain acts that are outside of your choice like it's it sort of like reminds me of the way i i was thinking walking out of that movie like is is how i start to think about different things in my brain now <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. yeah the dream the the dream studio is like probably of all the gags that The kind of throwaway gags in this movie, that is the one that I feel like was really well thought out. Yeah, Um, yeah, for sure. Even just the way, like, I almost want to give away too much of it, but like the way they decide what to film that day is like they get a bunch of director's notes from upstairs of like, all right, what do we got? We got this. We got that. It's like an improv group almost being told like, these are the things you're going to have to cover tonight. Yeah. yeah. Um, Amazing. (laughs) So, so funny. I think there were a few parts of the movie that I felt like maybe the writers were being a little too clever, like not too clever, but like they were trying to be clever more than they were trying to tell a story. Uh, I, I think one of those moments, which almost everyone but me is talking about very positively, so maybe I'm in the minority, um, is this moment where they enter the room of abstract thought, yeah. or the tunnel of abstract thought, and... In this like one minute scene, they throw out like five psych one oh one type phrases about different forms of thought. and then visually, what happens to them is they turn into like Picasso style abstractions and then pixelated things and two dimensional objects. And there were a few moments like that in the film where I still got a laugh out of it. I thought it was funny, but it did feel almost like at odds with how cohesive they were trying to tell the story everywhere else. Like, that was one place where I felt like they weren't, they didn't have a theme they were trying to drive home. They were just trying to show that, you know, they knew psychology and they could make jokes about
0: it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it definitely, it definitely felt that way, but it was so chaotic and so like frenetic that it, it worked for me. Um, it It definitely didn't approach the level of brilliance that like the rest of the film does. But like I... There was no negatives coming out of that for me. It was just like me laughing really hard.
1: <laughs> okay, so I'm wondering what you thought of probably the only divisive character in the movie, which is Bing Bong. <laughs> did did you enjoy the Bing Bong side plot?
0: In in, in general, let's put it this way, the <laughs> Bing Bong's last moment <laughs> like is I for some reason that I read like it was like I w- I was fine with everything that was happening, and then the literal last few frames that like you're seeing him, that I read that is so dark like instant tears like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's not the maybe we can have a little bit of spoilers but like yeah. it's it's not the decision that Bing Bong makes it's the I will refer to it as the Back to the Futureification of him mm-hmm. um, that happens like. I was like whoa like that hit me so hard in the weirdest way that I still can't like when I think of him in that moment it still makes me tear up I
1: I agree with you actually so I think that moment and then one other moment with uh sadness's character there there were two places where he paid off in execution very well yeah. and I think I think I like the idea of his character more than any moment with his character. Like, I love the idea of the imaginary friend. He, he sort of, like, should be a member of Goofball Island. Like, he's a part of that part of her. Yeah, um, yeah. This very funny, wacky type thing that used to mean so much to this person, kind of like Woody and Andy, who doesn't as much anymore. And watching that person kind of fade, but still try to do the right thing, I think like that idea is very sad <laughs> and very very nice. Um I did feel like having him throughout the movie kind of be super goofy and I it it felt like a little over the top sometimes. Like I think it paid off by the final scene, but I'm not sure if I needed him to be there.
0: Yeah, so it's so like he pays off emotionally for sure but he kind of doesn't work in the universe in a way because so the so he he you know he's the personification of an imaginary friend but the problem is that the imaginary friend in theory like if you're you know abstracting it out yourself to the real world like the imaginary friend exists in physical space in the mind of the person who who's there so he is representing like his own sentient force that's walking around inside her long-term memory, but she, he doesn't. Act, he doesn't have a way of actually acting on her. So, mm-hmm. in like, if if the metaphor was going to be carried through as perfectly as the rest of the thing, he should be found in several of the orbs. Yeah, yeah. He should memory. be a memory. He shouldn't yeah.
1: be a physical thing.
0: Yeah. So like, I mean, on on one level, I really like the idea of like, it kind of goes back to a good version of Chappie to where like, he recognizes that he doesn't have the power to keep himself existing. And he just wants to prolong his own life. And he's scared of the idea of fading away. Um, Mm -hmm. So like that idea by itself works well. But the problem is that the metaphor doesn't perfectly work in the universe that they've created. It's sort of like we want to use him for these few points and those points will pay off. But if you're looking at like how brilliantly this film comes up with ideas, he shouldn't exist physically in the brain world.
1: Yeah. It, it doesn't help that I kept seeing him as the serious man guy <laughs> instead. Oh. Uh, the, the depressed brother or whatever, whatever he was in that movie. Nice. Every time he cried, that's what I could see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean anything else to say about the movie? I don't know. It's the kind of thing where you could like you could keep reciting different gags that you liked in the movie, but for the most part, like that is the movie what we just said. Like the whole movie is one very cohesive journey where not a whole lot of things happen, but it just communicates the that message like super well. Yeah. Um I I mean, I thought all the side characters were funny I really liked uh Lewis Black and Mindy Kaling it was nice to have like an office reunion kind of yeah. <laughs> Phyllis and Mindy Kaling and then you know Amy Poehler is great like she's perfect for this role yeah
0: yeah I thought I thought she was fantastic as Joy
1: yeah, definitely I mean she she is basically Leslie Nope again <laughs> but it still really works here um I don't know. I I was afraid too, because these are all actors that I feel like I've seen in many things. Yeah. And occasionally that kind of ruins it for me. Like if I know them too well. Like I I sent you the comment someone made on the internet where they were like, the only thing I'm afraid of is that Lewis Black is gonna get typecast as an angry man after this. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that made me laugh.
1: Pretty good. Yeah. Um but even though they were all playing like two type, I did feel like they blended into this universe really well. Like I wasn't at all distracted by who they actually were.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it they all worked. When I remember when I first found out who was in it, like it made sense that those they were those people. Like mm-hmm. it 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 just seemed to work perfectly.
1: I guess one last thing before going into spoilers, how did you feel about the actual like visual look? Yeah, the animation style of this movie.
0: I, I really loved it. Like, the fact that, like, nobody was actually solid. They were kind of made up of their own little mini orbs and bubbles. Like, um, whatever that effect is, I thought was really cool looking. I don't know. What, what about you?
1: I I think I grew to like it more. When the movie started and I was looking at it, I kind of thought, like, wait, is is the screen messed up? Is this, like too like pixelated it's like it's just of kind of blocky yeah and, and then it would cut to the real world and i would be like no nope, no the the screen is fine pixar is fine I, I get what they're they're going for it's kind of ballsy actually to do you know 70% of the movie in this uh not super realistic 3d style but more of a hazy blobby type thing yeah um I I liked it. I get, I get what it was going for. I did, at least at the beginning, I was kind of distracted by it, but I got over it.
0: So here's the question then, when you just talked about like bouncing between the real world and saying it look normal and then being inside the, the, what do they call the control room?
1: Mission control. Mission control. (laughs) Maybe.
0: (laughs) Um, but, uh, is Bing Bong bubbly or is he normal?
1: I want to say he's normal. Hmm. <laughs> I, I feel like the bubbliness really stood out when it like zoomed in on Joy. Because Joy would get these close-ups. And she's basically one color. She doesn't have depth or shading. Yeah. Um, I think Bing Bong had shading. He He's basically right out of, like, if Pixar had made Dumbo, I feel like that's what <laughs> he would have looked like.
0: Pretty much. But, yeah, now, now that makes... Now I'm trying to like reverse engineer him not working in the way I was saying before, and maybe if he's not actually emotion based, he's some sort of like Incepted version of reality. I don't know.
1: I mean, what if he is their imaginary friend too? What if the the only thing that really exists is that sled powered by songs?
0: <laughs> I wish I knew that song. Like it's like it's it's like Happy
1: do. <laughs> however it goes bing bong bing bong I, I think don't they just go bing bong bing bong did i make that up
0: yeah i think i think part of it is bing bong bing bong but then there's like some sort of like i don't know they're, they're trying to do it faster because they can make the sled go faster but i don't know mm-hmm. anyways um yeah should should we do do a little verdict action and then get to uh spoilers sure all right. Uh, if you were going to give this a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must-avoid, what would you
1: give it? Must-see, no contest. Uh, same for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> contest is over. <laughs>
1: why why prolong the <laughs> the mystery?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a fantastic film. Um, e- even if it wasn't that funny, it's such a brilliant. Concept, like, or it's such a brilliant execution of the concept. Like, the concept seems simple, but they do it so much more justice than it probably would have received from, I don't know, DreamWorks making
1: this movie. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if I were to try to rank this on the scale of Pixar movies, like, without question, of course, it's the best Pixar movie since, like, up. I mean, what's the competition? Brave. (laughs) (laughs) It's a no brainer. Um, but I think there are aspects of it that I feel like it has the kind of rewatch potential that even Up and Wally don't have for me so much. Like, this is a movie that really commits to its message the whole way through. Like, I don't know. I don't think it's the best Pixar movie, but it is the only Pixar movie like this, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, so
0: So the real question... Um, before we get to spoilers, um you have to do you have to do the podcast justice and let everybody know if this is an accurate depiction of San Francisco.
1: <laughs> it is It's more accurate than Full House. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> more accurate than Godzilla. <laughs> Less accurate than San Andreas. I know that doesn't mean anything.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't follow I think that. It,
1: I mean, you can tell Pixar is from the Bay Area. Like, they they make a lot of jabs at San Francisco and Bay Area people. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's accurate. Places are more expensive in the middle of the city. Like, for one, getting a house in the middle of Knob Hill, that's kind of crazy. But, like, they are kind of run down. I haven't had broccoli on pizza, but it's probably a thing. I believe it.
0: <laughs> I I will say I I did recognize that entrance to the Bay Bridge. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, I hop on that every day now." <laughs> uh I don't, I'm not on a bus I'm contemplating my life's journey, but <laughs> I
1: am <laughs> in a car. They did they did that part right. Like that is the Transbay Terminal. You can see exactly where it is. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't impress me. Pixar is Pixar. Like they do everything right. <laughs> Except for brave, and they they basically just have to peek out the window and look at San Francisco.
0: All right. Well, uh, what do you say we get into spoilers then? Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to be, but we're going to fade up some music, and when the music goes away, we'll be back. We'll be talking about full blown spoilers for this film. So, you know, beware if you're scared of spoilers. we are back this is spoiler territory for inside out um we are going to be talking about spoilers so really the one big thing that we already alluded to was uh, bing bong's exit from this film um so the thing for me that like so you you kind of like realize it's gonna happen and you kind of almost expect it to happen that he's gonna like sacrifice himself in a way to help her make the jump because they can't together make the jump so he'll Help her sing the song and then bail out the last second to apparently free up enough weight. He didn't want to use his dumbo ears to help her fly, so he just jumps out the back. I'm and not
1: sure that's how physics works, by the way. But what? <laughs> I don't know if you make a leap and then lose weight at like he loses weight before he's hit peak momentum. <laughs> so I don't actually know that he did more harm than good there. But it it's fine. Well, I mean, if
0: he jumps backwards, then the th- like equal and opposite reaction he gave her just enough little boost to I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it it could work. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so uh, so I was fine with the sacrificing of himself in the context of well, he's stuck in limbo now and he's just gonna be down there, and like that that didn't like emotionally grab me at all. But like when he like waves her on. And then just like he, it's literally a second, and then he just phased into nothingness. And like, I sank so hard in that moment. Like, like, literally up until the moment he disappears, I was completely fine and like, oh, that's cute. And then as soon as he like vanishes, I just went like, oh, like, (laughs) like,
1: all the kids cried around you. (laughs) Like, mommy, what did that word, what's the word the guy said? (laughs) Lewis Black's character, like, that's the one.
0: You found your impression. <laughs> I can do the girl from Tomorrowland. Carson can do Forrest Whitaker. Only and as the butler. Do, you can do Lewis Black. <laughs> um, but no, like that, like, I, seriously, that was where it was like, okay, I, I'm no longer in control of my emotions. And it was like, I immediately just like teared up. And like, and I couldn't tell you why it happened. Like, it was just so dark that he just like in like it was it was the the speed at which he did it, and how there was like it w- it was it was almost as if he didn't like in a normal movie like somebody would like you know jump in front of a bullet and be like oh, at least I saved you or like do some sort of heroic act to like sacrifice themselves and there'd be like a extended period of time where you're like oh thanks for your sacrifice bing bong you know but like it was the it was the like it was like cool so go up there and just. <gasps> he just was snuffed out of existence and like
1: i don't and and he never comes back i I think that's the thing like yeah in a normal kids type movie if they give so little weight to him leaving it's because like at the end he's gonna show up in like a memory orb or something yeah yeah but but they're just like nope no more bing bong (laughs) (laughs) it's like i
0: don't I, it's still like, I, so I, I listened to um, a few podcasts where they were t- talking about um, this film and like on the drive up, because I, I just for a little inside baseball talk, I just drove up from San Diego to San Francisco this morning. Um, and uh, on the drive up, I was listening to some podcasts and anytime somebody like mentioned Bing Bong, I teared up. Like without them even saying the moment, just as soon as they mentioned him, I thought of him. And then I thought of him snuffing away and like, I teared up just like driving in my car. <laughs> and like, I don't know, like, I don't know what it is. Like, I still can't exactly place it. It's just the, him vanishing just like was, it's like scary. It's like emotionally devastating. <laughs> and he's not even a character that I had really latched on to that much. It was just like, he was conce- conceptually interesting, but just something about the way he just vanishes, like messed with me.
1: Yeah, that was an impactful moment. I think it didn't hit me as hard because I was so positive it was coming. And by the time they had landed down there in the place with the uh, memories fading, yeah, I knew I could already have told you almost exactly how it was going to happen, too. Like, the moment they start trying to shoot the sled up, I'm like, yeah, he's going to jump off, of course. Yeah, And th- the fact that I could... See the strings being pulled from so far away made it like kind of blunt the impact a little bit. And and they had telegraphed it because, like, just you know, I, I made a joke earlier
0: about back to the futurification of him, and like, there's a scene where he actually sees his hand fading. Um, at least I, I felt like there was a scene like that, um, like mm-hmm. a few moments before this moment, but it's like I think he gets cut off mid sentence, like, he's like, Yeah, now you go, go up there's <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't know. There was something about like them not even getting an exchange. Like she just like crash lands on top of the thing up top and he's already just gone and she'll never know.
1: (laughs) And now, now here's the question for you that moment. And like quite a few moments, kind of the arc of joy in this movie has them running through her mind and kind of violating the rules. Like things get put, down where they're meant to be forgotten and they rescue them back out of them. And, uh, you you know, like like they're doing things that violate the mechanics of the world that they're in. Do you think Bing Bong actually taking things that were going to be forgotten and saving them, do you think that has meaning inside Riley? <laughs> like, do you think that is a metaphor for something too? Or do you think that's just like they personified some people so they let them bend the rules a little bit?
0: I, I can't imagine what ramifications it would have for her character in the real world, um, mm-hmm. because mostly so things sit in long term memory and they're able to be recalled by somebody like shoving it in that back little tube or whatever. Um, so in theory, Bing Bong having like a satchel of memories he likes that's technically robbing her of the, yeah. that, that memory um, <laughs> because it can't be recalled because he's in possession of it. Um, so, but, but
1: then he's saving them too. So you could kind of think like if she hadn't had that childhood goofiness, she wouldn't have had the like spark in her to get over this plateau. Yeah. <laughs> she or would me- have killed herself. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the <laughs> sequel. <laughs>
0: maybe yeah i don't know it's an interesting thing to kind of like try to think about because is is maybe hit maybe he is sort of like a a voldemort character and he's actually like keeping himself alive by siphoning the memory juice from like memories in which he was a part of Mm -hmm. so like he's just floating around like in these memory horcruxes trying to become a full-fledged person (laughs) The memories are like the unicorns that he's just drinking blood from.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do think the the reason he rubbed me just a little bit the wrong way is because it was the only time in the movie where I felt like I have seen exactly this before. Like him looking at the memories of how he used to play with her is exactly like Toy Story 2 where what's her face? The female Woody is remembering all the time she used to spend with this person And, you know, it's not fair. Like, it's so original in other ways. Like, why am I docking it for taking a couple beats from their great older movies? But it was, like, one of the only times where I felt like I am not in a fully realized world. I'm in, like, another movie that they're hearkening back to for a minute. So I I just got, like...
0: Like, I don't know what better way to say it than to say it, to put it in a weirder way than I mean to, but, like... Almost like an idea for really dark fan fiction for this character where like he was keeping himself alive by agitating the memories that he was a part of. Mm -hmm. So those memories should be fading on their own and then getting dropped down into limbo. But he is walking around, jostling them, um, keeping them active. And like her brain is naturally trying to forget him. But he is like he literally is sentient. Um, and is keeping the memory of him alive by going around and dicking with her brain.
1: <laughs> See, he's a subroutine, like we talked about last week with me and Earl. Yeah, He's he being <laughs> kept alive inside of her brain. Interesting. Yes. Hmm. Hmm.
0: <laughs> this is a. Uh,
1: I think th- that got dark enough that we need to, <laughs> we need to pull it back with a, uh, a half-thought-out pun <laughs> that I was just typing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Which is that, you know, in, in college, like these tech companies come and try to give you swag to convince you. And I was thinking maybe Google gave you shot glasses, <laughs> <laughs> so Bing gave you a bong. <laughs> bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. I just want to end the episode like
0: <laughs> just with you going ping pong, ping pong, ping pong, and then it just ends, like th- that's it. The episode just dies right there. Yep. Nobody hears anything yep. else for after. For everyone
1: that. listening, Chris was howling with laughter, and he just edited it out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I was doing, you know, when a kid falls and they hurt themselves so bad they don't cry <laughs> for like a minute. They like they yep. haven't even take they, they just like silently have their mouth open, and all of a sudden they go. <gasps> <"Why?" laughs> It was basically like that where I I
1: was giggling but I
0: couldn't actually make a sound because I was giggling too hard.
1: Yeah. It's really just subtle product placement for Billabong. Uh,
0: I think it better it was Google versus Bing. (laughs) Just because like Bing is definitely trying to make sure it doesn't float off into obscurity too. Yeah.
1: The only difference is we never needed Bing. Good times. But anyways,
0: I think uh, that's going to do it for this episode. So, uh, Stephen, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that?
1: If you want more classic zingers like Bing Bong, (laughs) you can (laughs) find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com.
0: Uh, people can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to figure out when these episodes when these episodes go live, excuse me, um, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook.com slash warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com um, or you can use the contact form on our site. Uh, I don't even remember our own phone number, so you can go to the site and find it if you really want to leave us a voicemail, which no one ever does. Um,
1: 760-575-4TSW. Sounds about right. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. Um, uh, we, we got an interesting uh, review <laughs> on our site a while ago. Um, and I think that more of you guys should give us reviews, constructive or or praising us. Um, not that we're worthy of being praised but you should give us reviews on the site whether or not you enjoy us a lot
1: (laughs) yeah Um, they're appreciated yeah i I think we factor them in i actually i feel like we've giggled less than we usually do
0: yeah we've been trying trying not to giggle as much um i don't remember the username of the person who doesn't like us giggling but hopefully when they return in a few months like they said they may or may not um they will enjoy us being a little more serious um if uh but yeah i mean reviews help us we are a we are a lowly little podcast in the giant sea of podcasts we're like nemo lost in a sea um and the big podcasts are giant sharks that are swimming around so we need all the reviews we can get to we need (laughs) dash bugs (laughs) life (laughs) too yes um but yeah so go ahead and throw us a nice little review or a mediocre (laughs) review We'll take whatever we can get. Throw us um, a nice
1: big review or a mediocre little review.
0: Yes, do that. Um, and, uh, yeah, until our next review that we put out, um, just remember, sometimes your joy needs a little sadness to really be worth something. <laughs> also, bing bong.
1: <laughs> bing bong, bing bong. Triple N-
0: Triple